Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, please open your Bible to the book of Proverbs as John continues his message, Are You an Angry Person? All anger, this seething, this boiling over, this raging, it needs to be assessed and it needs to be addressed. Go to chapter number 29. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Proverbs about anger. Verse 11 of 29, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Now, you may say, well, you know, I'm one of those people when I, I don't have a filter, I just say what I think. It's kind of like when I get upset, it's just like an explosion and it's all over with. Well, it may be over with for you, but you may have hurt a lot of other people. I mean, a grenade explodes, but just because the explosion's over, that doesn't mean there's no damage to it. But some people say, well, you know, I just, I just, I'm just one of those people. I just tell it like it is, and I don't worry about what anybody else thinks. And again, they think that's a good quality. Now, God says, if you vent your feelings like that, you are a fool because a wise person holds it in. I read that when Abraham Lincoln, who I don't think would be any argument, was the greatest president in the history of our country. I mean, God used him to abolish slavery. I mean, he was a tremendous president. And uh, Lincoln had developed a habit, he studied the qualities of what he called transformational leaders. And he said he noticed that transformational leaders can control their emotions better than other people. And he wanted to be a transformational leader, and he was. And so sometimes he would be in a meeting with his cabinet, and a cabinet member would do something or say something, and it made Lincoln mad, made him angry. He felt that seething, that rage, that boiling, that heating up on the inside. Sometimes one of the generals in the army might do the same thing, and it rubbed him the wrong way, and he felt that. So he developed a habit. When he got mad, he would immediately write a letter to the person who made him mad. And he would say, this is what you said, this is what you've done, this is why I'm disappointed with you, and you have made me angry. He wrote the full letter. But then here was Lincoln's genius. He set that letter to the side for several hours or most likely until the next day. And the next day, he would read that letter after he had calmed down, after that boiling rage had subsided, and he would read it and he would say, no, I'm not going to sign that and I'm not going to send that letter. He had learned to hold it in. Sometimes we have to hold it in. That's what it says again, Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all his feelings. Listen, you can't always tell everybody everything you think. You can't. If you always tell everybody what you think, when you get finished doing that, you're going to be at Applebee's all by yourself because nobody's going to be your friend. And so a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person holds it back. Says, hey, I have to assess this, have to address this, can't always say everything I think. So that's what I'm saying. Anytime you feel that rage, assess it. What's causing this? And what is the appropriate way for me to deal with this? Now let's move on to the next thought because I want to develop this too. The next thought, what I just said, you would expect me to say. But what I'm about to say, you wouldn't expect me to say. Some anger needs to be expressed. Did you know this whole idea that all anger is wrong 
That, that idea is not a biblical idea. In fact, go to the New Testament book of Ephesians. I want to show you an interesting verse in Ephesians chapter number 4. Because all anger is, uh, is not bad at all. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says this. Be angry and do not sin. Say that with me. Be angry and do not sin. But notice it says, be angry. There's some things that ought to make you angry. Had Lincoln never gotten angry, we might still have slavery in our country today. I mean, it was his anger against an injustice that caused him to lead the nation to go a different way. And so anger, some anger is good. Some anger really is righteous indignation. And so what do we have to do? We have to learn to be angry, but not to sin. Not all anger is bad. And sometimes we have to express that anger. Did you know if you have the idea, I can never really say how I feel. I can never really tell, especially like in marriage or in the family or a close friendship or work relationship. If you have the idea, I don't ever want to rock the boat. I don't want to say anything that would upset anybody. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to cause anger. And so I'm feeling something's being said. Something's happening. I don't think it's right. I'd like to get this off my chest and say, you know, kindly and peacefully. But I'd like to feel the freedom to say how I feel. But no, I can't say how I feel. So I'm going to just suppress this. I'm going to just push this down. And people, many people do that thinking that's the right thing, and they're trying to keep the peace. But what I've learned is this. If you try to push too much stuff down, eventually it's going to pop out. And sometimes it comes out on a, a mild infraction. In other words, you've just been pushing this in, and then somebody says something, and it just really sets you off. Whereas if you had learned how to properly express your anger to begin with, you wouldn't have been holding all that stuff on the inside. Not all anger is bad. And you, if you're married, if you're in a fa- with your family, with your close friends, you should feel the freedom to say how you feel, even if it's going to be not how everybody else feels. And now you have to ask God to give you wisdom when to speak and when to say quiet. But if it's something that's really a big deal to you, you have to feel the freedom to say that or else the peace that you think you're keeping is not even a real peace. It's a false peace. The only reason there's peace is because you're not being true to yourself and saying how you really feel. Now, go back a few pages in the New Testament to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number three. I want to show you this in the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus is our model for everything, and we know Jesus never sinned. And yet we see times in Jesus's life where he became angry. In Mark chapter three, we read about a man who had a withered hand, some kind of a paralyzed hand. And on a particular Sabbath day in the synagogue, here was the man there with the withered hand. Well, Jesus walks in the synagogue, and he sees this man. And Jesus is thinking to himself, I can heal that man of his infirmity. But he sees the religious leaders, and he knows that the religious leaders would think it would be sin to heal a man on the Sabbath because they would classify that as work. And so Jesus says in verse 4 to these religious leaders, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And they didn't answer his question. And verse 5, when he had looked around at them, now watch this, with anger, 
being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and his hand was healed. But the point here is Jesus became angry when he saw people placing religious law and rituals and customs and traditions of that day above the need of a suffering human being. It made him angry. Go to John chapter 2, show you a similar situation. And in verse number 13, it says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. You say, well, John, what was wrong with him selling all these animals? Everybody was in Jerusalem for the Passover, and they had to have animals to offer up a sacrifice, and that's true. And the people who owned all these animals knew that the people had to buy the animals, and so they raised the prices beyond what was considered fair. And quite honestly, they were ripping the people off. And people felt like, well, I've got to buy this to offer the sacrifice. And so it made Jesus angry. Look at verse 15, how he handled his anger. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple. And so Jesus, seeing people being ripped off in the temple, being cheated, it made him angry. But he didn't act impulsively. He didn't fly off the handle. He didn't say anything rude. What did he do? He probably sat down in a chair, and he got some cords, and he made a whip. And it would have taken some time. You can't make a whip in five seconds. I mean, it would take time to put that whip together. So what I'm saying is Jesus wasn't acting in anger. And then when Jesus took that whip, he didn't go in the temple and start hitting the people with the whip. No, he turned over the tables, and he drove them out. So Jesus, this is another thing very important, he attacked the problem, not the people. Many times we get angry and we attack the people and not the problem. If we can learn how to attack the problem and to be loving to the people and not be rude to people, then we will have come a long way. But I'm saying to you today that some anger needs to be expressed. You can't just bottle all that stuff in. You have to have the freedom. Now, again, in kindness and in love and in honesty And without raising your voice, just try to be as tender as you can, but you have to be able to say what you think or else the relationship is is not even genuine. It's phony. It's not not real. Your your heart's not going to be in it if you feel like you can't say how you really feel. Number six statement that I want to make about anger, and that is simply this. Some anger needs to be confessed. Now, Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin, so he didn't have to go to his home where where he was staying that night and say, now, Father, today I got angry in the temple. Please forgive me. No, 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 no. He didn't sin. He got angry, but he didn't sin. But sometimes we have anger, and it is sin, and we need to confess it to God. Now, go back to Ephesians, if you would, and we're back in chapter 4 again. I know we were just there, but I want to show you a verse. Verse 31, Paul is talking about anger, and he mentions six things, kind of the development of of, of how anger begins and what the result of anger is. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And so there's this six-step process. Anger is born, we could say. Anger is birthed. And then it goes to the other extreme. So let's look at these words. He says, let all bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is a feeling we get when somebody offends us in some way. They say something or they do something that rubs us the wrong way, and we have been offended. And so we can, as the old way would say it, we would hold a grudge. 
We, what they did, it just gave us a bad feeling in general toward them. And so we just kind of tucked that away and said, I remember what you said or how you acted toward me. or You were dismissive of me or not respectful. We just kind of take an offense, and that can become a real bitter root. But remember this. Things with roots grow. Trees with roots grow. Uh, if you look at a, at a 40-year-old oak tree that may be 40 or 50 feet high, uh, those roots underground go out just as far as the tree goes high up in the air. So there are roots underground that you can't see. The reason that oak tree is so tall is because underneath the soil, that oak tree is going out those roots, just that roots produce fruit. Now, when we have a bitter root, what's the next thing it's going to be? Well, the next word here is wrath. That word literally means indignation. The idea behind wrath is this. Now, somebody's offended us. Somebody's done something to us. They've said something about us. And in our minds, we don't say anything, but in our mind, here's our thought. How dare you? I cannot believe that you would say that about me. I cannot believe that you would do that against me. How, but we don't say it. It's wrath. It's a burning, but it's a burning on the inside that at this level is still under control. Now, what is the next word? Anger. Bitterness. The root. Wrath on the inside. Anger. Now the burning is beginning, it's not being verbalized yet at anger, but that burning is now obvious physically. Somebody's angry and you look at them and you can see their, their veins about to just completely pop out of the side of their neck. Or you can see, man, their, their skin color is beginning to, to change a little bit or, or their, their muscles are tensing up or I can just tell now that so when, when somebody's angry, you can, you can tell it. It's a slow burn, but now it's coming on the outside. What is the next word? Clamor. See, if you don't deal with this, as you go, it just gets worse. Clamor literally means loud quarreling, raising your voice. And, uh, and that's all, that should be a sign to us. When, when the voices get raised in a conversation, that should be a sign that something is not right. And the next, evil speaking, saying things you don't mean. Sometimes a person will say to another person, I hate you. Sometimes a person might say to another person, a spouse could even say this to a spouse. They might even say, I wish I had never met you. I wish you had never been born. You're the dumbest person I know. Something like that. And it's devastating to the person on the other end of that. Evil speaking. And that's what's happening. There was a bitter root, but man, it's beginning to show some bad fruit now. And then the next word, malice. Now, this is a desire to hurt somebody. This is anger out of control, maliciousness, viciousness, maybe to hurt them physically, maybe to say, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set out to destroy their reputation, to destroy their life, to, ruin, to make their life as miserable as I can. It's malice. And Paul says, we have to put these things away from us. Look at verse 30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve him? Bitterness, wrath anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. It grieves the Spirit of God. Verse 32 tells us how we should treat other people. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I read a tremendous quote last week by Oswald Chambers. He says, we have to be so closely connected to Jesus Christ that nothing of the old life remains. See, these words in verse 31, that should describe a person's life before they got saved. 
wrath and anger and bitterness and all this stuff. But after we get saved, we're supposed to be different. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we'll never lose our temper. But it means it should be less and less. And hopefully get to a place where we just say, you know, God has really given me a victory in that area of my life. So some anger, the way to deal with it is just confess it as sin and ask God to forgive you. And ask God to replace that anger with love in your heart. And then the seventh and final thing I would say. You still listening? Say amen. I know this is a very practical sermon. I can tell in this service the attentiveness of people. I could tell in the other service. Everybody's into this sermon because we can all relate to it. We, can, we all deal with this. It's a natural impulse. And as I said at the beginning, just because sometimes you have those feelings, that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. That means you're human. It's what you do with those feelings. And that's why the Bible says, be angry. That's okay. That's natural. But don't sin. Handle it like Jesus did, methodically, not impulsively, not flying off the handle. Handle it like Jesus did. Now, the last statement I want to make on anger Sudden anger, prolonged anger, and unhealthy anger is a sign that you're not right with God. If I have that in me, it means I'm not right with God. If you have that in you, it means you are not right with God. I'm not saying that feeling. I'm saying sudden anger, flying off the handle. It ought to be like the, the dashboard on your car when it starts blinking saying service engine soon. You're driving down uh, the interstate. You think, well, the engine seems fine to me. Yeah, but you can't see what's happening under the hood. Service brakes soon. Well, the brakes seem to be working to me. Yeah, but you'd better get those at the mechanic, but you can't tell what's happening with these brakes. And so sometimes when we find ourselves sudden anger, Maybe a parent to a child. You'll never amount to anything. A parent should never say that to a child. That could stick with a child for that child's whole life. And if, you know, you'd have to go to that child and say, I said that in anger. I'm wrong. I didn't mean it. You're going to amount to something very special. But I'm saying in, the, in a sudden anger that would cause a person to say something like that or prolonged anger, somebody just always angry or unhealthy anger. That is, you're having this feeling that's natural but you're not dealing with it. You're just letting it fly, man. You're just saying what comes to your mind. Well, that is a sign that you're not right with God. Now, before we stop, go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter number four. This is the first example that I know of in the Bible where somebody got angry. And who it was was Cain. Remember, Adam and Eve had two boys to start with, Cain and Abel. And God had told those boys to bring a sacrifice of worship to him. And so Cain was a farmer. He went out into the garden. He dug up some fruits and vegetables. He made a little fruit basket, and he offered that fruit to God, and God rejected his offering. Abel, on the other hand, took an animal. He sacrificed that animal. He offered that blood up to God, and God accepted his sacrifice. Evidently, God had told these boys, this is how you enter into my presence for worship. You have a blood sacrifice. Well, when, God saw, when Cain saw that God had rejected his offering but accepted his brothers, it made him angry. Look in verse number five. God did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. You can control that feeling of anger. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. See, we all think 
Well, the big problem was Cain killed his brother. Well, that's a pretty big problem. I would agree with you on that. But the problem that led to that problem was he got angry. But the reason he got angry is because he wasn't right with God. You see, he wasn't at peace with God because God had rejected his sacrifice. Instead of trusting in the blood, he was trusting in the works of his own hands. And because of that, watch this, he was not at peace with God. He was not at peace with himself. And he was not at peace with his brother. And I'm saying to you today, sudden anger, prolonged anger, and unhealthy, undealt with anger is a sign that a person is not right with God. It doesn't necessarily mean you're not saved, but it just means you're not as close to Jesus as you ought to be. You're not abiding in Him as closely as you ought to be, and too much of the old life is still remaining in you, and it needs to be purged out. And that could certainly be true of me too. Sometimes it is. And God puts His finger on an area in my life and says, we've got to address this and get this right. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're not saved, but you know what? It could mean that you're not saved. I think honest people who you've, you've come to church on a Sunday morning when you didn't have to, and here you are, and there you are in your home, and you're watching, and you're listening, and you're sensing the Spirit talking to you, and it may be today that as I have done an entire sermon on anger, that the Holy Spirit has made clear to you the real reason you're angry is because you're not at peace with God. And since you're not at peace with God, you're not at peace with you. And since you're not at peace with you, you're not at peace with anybody else. And so you're just a little bit of angry looking for somebody to explode on. And so God says today, let's solve the real problem and get you to having a peaceful heart so that going forward, not that you'll be perfect, we won't be perfect till we get to heaven, but so that going forward, anger will not continue to dominate your life. Amen? With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, for those at home and for those in the room, first, all of us, I mean, this message applies to me, to all of us on one level or another. We've all been guilty here at some point in some way. Would you ask God, Christian friend, to forgive you of not dealing properly with anger? In your words, in your ways, sometimes in your attitude. Sometimes you can be angry and don't say anything. You just pout. So you didn't say anything wrong, but your whole attitude was wrong. you got to confess that to God. you got to come clean and say, God, it was sin. God, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't cuss anybody out. But God, I've still sinned. Forgive me. Forgive me for not handling those natural feelings of anger in the appropriate way. Now, we all need to ask God for that. And then accept His forgiveness and ask for Him to help you going forward. That when something happens, you would do like Lincoln. Maybe, maybe set it aside for a little bit. Maybe count to ten. But not to speak in anger and certainly not to speak in haste. But others today say, John, it's deeper for me than that. I really believe my anger is because I'm not at peace. Not at peace with God, not at peace with me, and not really at peace with anybody else. So I just turn the TV on, I get angry at the news. I turn this on, I listen, I'm just always angry. But I don't have any peace. Friend, God brought you to church today to hear this sermon, to address that issue. So that you could be a different person. If you're not 100% sure that you're saved, that means you don't have peace with God. 
you don't have full peace, would you pray this prayer right now? Say, Lord, I think today your Holy Spirit has put the finger, His finger, on the real issue in my life. I'm not at peace, and I want to be at peace. Lord, I have sinned, and I'm sorry. Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Lord, replace that anger with love, with patience, with kindness, with tenderheartedness. Help me to know it's not macho and cool to lose my temper. God, it's macho and cool to keep my temper under control. Restraint is the real proof of strength. Fill my heart with love. But today, God, thank you that you have filled my heart with peace. I trust you, Jesus. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please send us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.